0: <laughs> well, let's turn to Zechariah chapter 14. And we'll read the last two verses of Zechariah 14. In that day, there will be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord. And the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the bowls before the altar, and every cooking pot in Jerusalem and in Judah will be holy to the Lord of hosts, and all who sacrifice will come and take of them and boil in them, and there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts in that day. And that's the note that Zechariah ends on. We have been considering for some weeks now Uh, Just to refresh those or to bring up to date those that haven't been here, we've been considering the prophecies of Zechariah 14. And we have seen that whatever partial fulfillments these things may have had down through history, uh, it certainly seems that their ultimate fulfillment is going to be at the last day, the day of the Lord's return. We see that in the last part of verse 5. Then the Lord, O oh my God, will come and all the holy ones with Him. There's a day coming when He will come and all the holy ones, the angels, with Him. And it will come about, verse 6, in that day there will be no light. The luminaries will dwindle. In verse 7, it will be a unique day known to the Lord. That day and hour no one knows except the Father uh Nevertheless, it will come about that in evening when you'd think it would be dark, there's going to be light. and uh, there will be light, there'll be no night there. In verse eight, it will come about in that day that living waters will flow out from Jerusalem that it never will dry up. In verse nine, in that day the Lord will be king over, All the earth, in that day the Lord will be the only one and His name the only one. In verse 10, in that day the people of God will be exalted and all other competing powers will be abased. In verse 11, there will be no more curse. In verse 12 and following, God will in that day judge His enemies with a terrible and awful judgment. In verse 16, what we looked at last week, or last time, it will come about in that day that uh, both Gentiles and Jews will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And we saw that as Christians, we're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles spiritually uh, right now, <clears throat> in that we are constantly uh, living as strangers and pilgrims in this world. That's what it is to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. God had them right after the harvest time when they would be tempted to put everything in the barn and settle back and think of all their riches. He had them go out and build these temporary booths or tabernacles out of branches. And even the the rich men and the highest in the land had to go out and be reminded that we are just strangers and pilgrims. And as Christians, we are to celebrate this Feast of Tabernacles all the time. We live in this world as not possessing. Even though we possess something Says, if you possess it, live as if you didn't possess it. And if you use this world, don't abuse and misuse the world. Don't use it to the full. Uh, So, as Christians, we are in the reality of the Feast of Tabernacles. You realize all these feasts that God gave, He didn't give those things For the literal, physical feast. That wasn't the purpose. They had spiritual meanings. Feast of the Passover, for example. All full of spiritual meaning. And this Feast of Tabernacles was full of spiritual meaning. And as Christians, we celebrate it right now. But he's saying here that in the last day, Jew and Gentile will celebrate forever this Feast of Tabernacles. And what does that mean? Well... In heaven, first of all, we will be celebrating the harvest. This is the feast of harvest after everything's gathered into the barns. And um, many times in, in the Gospels and in Revelation, it talks about thrusting in the sickle for the time the harvest has come. And there will be a great harvest of humanity brought in at that day and we will celebrate this in gathering. Of Jew and Gentile, but also we will celebrate and remember forever all of God's dealings with us in the wilderness. That's what they did in the Feast of Tabernacles. They would rejoice and think back of how He provided water for them out of the rock, how He guided them through this waste howling wilderness. And that's what we will do forever. We'll be telling. Our story and other, hearing other stories of how God and many things that we don't even have a clue now that He delivered us from and directed us around, we'll see then how He led. And so uh, we will commemorate and remember all that He that He did in our salvation. Well, we come today then to the end of this amazing prophecy of Zechariah. We began years ago, I don't remember, I didn't look it up, but uh, then we took a break at different times. But uh, if you remember, those that were here back then, we began in chapter 1, Zechariah begins with a call to repentance. It ends with the vision of a day coming when everything and I mean everything, is going to be holy to the Lord. That's the way the book ends. Everything holy to the Lord. Notice these two verses that we've read uh, begin and end with the phrase, in that day. Verse 20, in that day, this is going to happen. And verse 21, at the very end of the verse, there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts in that day. What will be true in that day? Well, three things right off. First of all, he says, "...the bells there will be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord." Well, that's the first thing. Now, what does that mean? What's that a reference to? Does anybody remember anything similar to that? An inscription? <clears throat> holy to the Lord. Holiness. Holiness. Alright, and by priest, you're talking about the priest. The high priest. The high priest garment. Now let's keep your place here in Zechariah and let's turn to this. Exodus chapter 28. Exodus 28 verse 36. You shall also make a plate of pure gold. Pure gold. A plate. You know, a ring costs quite a bit. And we don't even have pure gold. Many times. But this is pure gold. A plate of pure gold. And shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal. Holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on a blue cord, and it shall be on the turban. It shall be at the front of the turban, and it shall be on Aaron's forehead. So he's got holiness to the Lord right on his forehead. You know the significance. Here it is right written in the forehead. And Aaron shall take away the iniquity of the holy things which the sons of Israel consecrate with regard to all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Christ, you realize Aaron is the picture of Christ, the high priest. And Christ must be perfectly holy all the time before the Lord in order to take away our sins. If he wasn't perfectly holy, we would have been in trouble because there's nothing he could have done for us. And so he was holy to the Lord. Now, isn't this an amazing thing? Zacharias says, in that day, the bells on the horses are going to be consecrated in the same way that the high priest's garment was consecrated, holy to the Lord. In fact, the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ himself was holy to the Lord, the bells on the horses. Now, the horses were unclean animals in Judaism, and he says these horses, the bells on the horses, are going to be in the same category as the high priest' uh, forehead. That's the situation that's going to be in that day. What else does he say? Well, he says in, back in Zechariah, he says that <clears throat> the cooking pots... Verse 20, the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the bowls before the altar. What were these cooking pots? Well, they were just ordinary type vessels that were used to boil things in. Let me just read to you one example. Um, This is from 2 Chronicles 35.13 if you want to note it. It says, so they roasted the Passover animals on the fire according to the ordinance, and they boiled the holy things in pots, in kettles, in pans, and carried them speedily to all the lay people. So here's a, these are just pots and kettles and pans. He says those more or less ordinary things from the house of the Lord are going to be like these vessels that are before the altar. Now what are these vessels? that are before the altar well they they are the special vessels made out of silver and gold that they use to catch the blood of the sacrificial animals and sprinkle the blood he says these cooking pots are going to be on par now it doesn't happen by bringing down the holy things to the level of the common it it, it happens by making everything as holy as holy can be That's that's what's going to happen here The cooking pots will be like these special sacrificial vessels. Amazing. What else will happen in that day? Well, verse 21, he says, Not only that, every cooking pot in Jerusalem and in Judah will be holy to the Lord of hosts. You go out all through the whole city and every cooking pot in anybody's old kitchen is going to be holy to the Lord. amazing thing. Notice again, the symbolism here. The people of God will never offer sacrifices again. One sacrifice has been offered for sin for all time, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's offered the final and complete and perfect sacrifice. So when it talks about them sacrificing and so on here, it's talking symbolically. It's talking about something in terms of the language that Zechariah had and the terms that they could understand in some measure, it's talking about what? What is the burden of this? Well, he's saying a day is coming. This is the spiritual reality behind all of these pictures. A day is coming when there will be the absolute and final removal of all distinction between so-called sacred and so-called secular. There will be absolutely no distinction Between those. Now that has already begun for the Christian. That's already uh, something that God has done. And we are entering into it right now. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. For the Christian... there's no longer a distinction between the sacred and the secular. Our whole lives are supposed to be separated unto God. And if you can't do what you're doing as separated unto God and holy to the Lord, if you can't write holiness to the Lord on it, you shouldn't be doing it. Every single aspect of our life, whatever you do, he says, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, there it is again, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Again, if you can't say what you're saying in the name of the Lord Jesus, you shouldn't say it. Isn't that quite a thought? It really cuts out on a lot of things that would come out of our mouths. If you can't do what you're doing in the name of the Lord Jesus, don't do it. And if you can't do it, giving thanks to God in in the name of Christ, don't do it. John Calvin said this, he said, This is fulfilled when men regard this end to glorify God through their whole life as Paul exhorts us to do. Our provisions and our beds and all other things become then holy to God when we really devote ourselves to Him and regard in all the actions of our life, the end which I have mentioned, even to testify in truth that He is our God and that we are under His guidance. So whatever you do, giving yourself to the Lord and all your actions. Well, this begins when we become Christians, but it will be perfected absolutely And entirely in that day. Think of this. A day coming when every power, every faculty that we have, every intention, every word, every action, totally consecrated to the Lord. Entirely dedicated to God. What else will be true in that day? Well, he says in verse 21, There will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts in that day. Again, we know this is figurative. How do we know that? Because there weren't even any Canaanites alive in the time of Zechariah, much less now. And besides that, no race is going to be excluded from the Gospel. Just because you're born a Canaanite would not keep you from becoming a Christian. So what's he doing here? He's using something that symbolizes something. And even in Old Testament times, the Canaanite was a symbol of anything unclean and ungodly. Let me just give you a few scriptures here that talk about this reality. Ezekiel 44, 6 and 7, Thus says the Lord God, Enough of all your abominations, O house of Israel, when you brought in foreigners, uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh, that's a Canaanite, to be in my sanctuary, to profane it, even my house. Now this is what God says. He says, thus says the Lord God, in this day, see, that's coming. This is Ezekiel 44. He's talking about this new reality that's ahead, this new temple. No foreigner, uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh, of all the foreigners who are among the sons of Israel shall enter my sanctuary. That's something that God says is going to be in that day. Isaiah thirty-five, says, <clears throat> a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it. There won't be any more Canaanites in the house of the Lord. Joel three fifteen to 18 now listen to this, and those of you that have been here for these other messages in Zechariah, he says this, "...the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness." And the Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for His people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy. That's what we just read, the bells of the horses, you see. Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will will pass through it no more. And will come about in that day that the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with milk and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water and a spring will go out from the house of the Lord. You remember? Here in Zechariah. Very same thing. One more verse. Hosea 12.7 A merchant, literally Canaanite, in whose hands are false balances. He loves to oppress. So the merchant, the Canaanite, the trafficker... And that may be the idea here in Zechariah also. No more merchants in the house of the Lord. No more trafficking. No more making merchandise of people. And that's going on in the name of Christ all the time. That will not be anymore. Um, Just like the Lord Jesus came in and cleaned the money changers out of the literal physical temple, so in a much deeper way, He'll clean out every money changer out of the spiritual temple. And uh, that has already begun, but it will be absolutely perfect in that day. And along that line, and actually in closing, let's look at Revelation 21. Revelation 21 and verse... 26 and 27. We looked at verse 26 last time in relation to the nations coming in. They shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. This is the heavenly Jerusalem. And nothing unclean. And no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. If you're unclean, if you're a Canaanite, you're not going to be in there. That's just what it says. That's what he's saying. No one who practices abomination and lying, no liar, shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then again in chapter 22, and verse 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers, anybody that hates, and the idolaters, anybody that idolizes things. Any covetous person, Paul says, is an idolater. And everyone who loves and practices lying. So, outside. Nothing unclean shall ever enter into it. Now, this is the question that I, would, that I would close with. Is that your desire? Do you desire to be in a place where every single thing there is holy and there's nothing left there that isn't holy? Do you really want to be in a place where everything that is is consecrated to the Lord and centered around God? Now for the Christian, the true Christian, that sounds Wonderful. Everything, holy, everything, consecrated to the Lord. Brother Paul said that everybody wants to go to heaven, they just don't want God to be there when they get there. But this is talking about holiness to the Lord. Everything centered around God. In that day, everything will be absolutely holy. And there will be no Canaanites. Whatsoever. We'll get in. And we can experience the reality of that as Christians right now. I mean, it's possible to have that hammer and that circular saw be holy to the Lord. Possible for that UPS truck to be absolutely holy to the Lord. Isn't that something? I mean, there's not there is, The division is gone because we can enter into the holy place right now. Just in our hearts you can do it. We're living in the presence of God. And all of that is gone and everything, whatever you do, you can do as an act of worship to God. Whatever you do, in word or in deed. But in that day, it will be absolutely perfect. There won't be one iota of anything. That isn't done perfectly in holiness to the Lord. The bells on the horses equal to the garments of the high priest. Unbelievable. That's the way it will be in that day. Well, amen. We've made an attempt, anyway, over these years to look at one of the minor prophets. And uh, there's certainly a lot there for us to consider. Well, let's pray before we're dismissed. Father, we confess this morning, every Christian that's here, we confess that it's good to be home. We're so thankful that You didn't leave us in the pig pen. And Lord, we think of this uh, teaching that You gave concerning Your heart and Your attitude towards prodigals. Uh, it wasn't a matter that uh, He had to make Himself acceptable. All He had to do is come running back. And You were there waiting for Him. We thank You for such mercy to those that have trampled so much on Your grace and Your goodness. Lord, we thank You for this prophecy, this promise. I, I don't know what Zechariah must have thought whenever he said that the bells on these unclean animals would have the same thing written on them that the high priest's forehead had written on it. And that every cooking pot, not only in the temple, but all out through the whole land would be holy to the Lord. And there would be no... Not one single Canaanite anymore in the house of the Lord. We, we thank You for such promises and we look forward to that day and that city where nothing unclean shall ever enter in. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, only those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's continue our fellowship together in the meal. Mona reminded me, we do have the college Bible study this evening at 5.30.